Well, let's check in with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun this morning, and we're going to talk about that long-term care report, which is out today. Good morning, Vaughn. Good morning, Simi. Are you at all cynical about the timing of the release of this report? No, of course not. How no, could I be possibly wrong, be cynical? It? Yes, it would. I mean, assuming the government might be up to something other than what it's carefully packaging and telling us about things, it would just be wrong. Sarcasm, right? Yeah. (laughs) The long-term care report is coming out today. Uh, Adrian Dix got asked about it on Friday. He admitted they commissioned it last summer, said they've had it since October or November. He was a bit vague about whether or not he himself has read it, but I bet he knows what's in it. And it's no big deal, but we're getting it on Monday. And we're expected to believe that this is just another of those amazing coincidences that it was reported in Vancouver Sun and elsewhere last Friday before the press conference that this report had been quietly, secretly commissioned. They never admitted it publicly, not released publicly, wouldn't release it, wouldn't even answer questions about it, and suddenly the minister is right there in front of us. Oh, (laughs) we were always going to put it out on Monday. Yeah, right. Exactly. And now it's coming out today. And this is so it's an Ernst, Ernst & Young report looking at what? So how the pandemic has impacted our long term care homes? Yeah, I mean, this is an, a worthy exercise. Uh, we've known through the first wave and into the second wave that long term care was particularly vulnerable. And, you know, it's, it's a struggle to manage that system. We know all the risks. There's all kinds of problems. We've never been through this before. So you expect it to be a learning process. It was a good idea to commission the report. It's a good idea to be asking the seniors advocate to look into some of these cases as well. And the government claims they welcome her review. So, you know, it, it's not uh, surprising, really, uh, or unwarranted that they would do it. The part about this that is hard to understand is why they did it quietly and why they didn't share it with the public. If there's nothing in it, one can't imagine why you would have withheld it. If it's flattering to the government, you know they would have had a press conference on that. So true. So uh, we'll wait and see what's in it. You know, Adrian Dick says, you know, when you read this, you're going to learn some stuff, but you're also going to see it's no big deal. So we'll we'll get it today and we'll have a look at it. But it does make one, uh, joking about cynicism aside, it does make one suspicious why a government that has repeatedly told us that it is open and transparent on this file uh, occasionally gets caught being somewhat less than open and transparent. Well, you will see. I look forward to reading this. And there's so much to talk about, too. Questions for the government, because we've got this vaccine rollout plan now, which we got on Friday. And it was interesting to see, Vaughn, that they have just completely gone with more or less an age-related rollout. Yeah, I mean, this is a big change. I think it's understandable. I thought it was well explained by the new doctor on this file, Dr. Penny Ballum, who they brought in to oversee the vaccine rollout. And I think she's you know, got a lot of time for her, and I thought she did well in the big technical briefing on Friday. But basically what they decided is uh, the number one correlation in terms of risk is age. All the other factors correlate to age. So they decided to, and and this, I gather, is supported nationally as well. The original idea was you would designate 
professions, jobs, groups, positions by by risk. And so early res- emergency responders would get a category and teachers would get a category. Um, people with um, various uh, existing, pre-existing conditions would get a category. They've now decided that, and there are some exceptions to this, but not nearly as many as there used to be, that age will be the main correlation. So once we get through long-term care, and frontline responders in the healthcare mm-hmm. system, so those people are still regarded as being highly at risk, and they will be vaccinated first. Then we move in large measure to general uh, vaccination by what they call birth cohort. So you show your birth certificate, and you will get a date for to be vaccinated, um, and it will be in five-year increments. So, you know, I got asked... <laughs> Everybody wants to know when you're going to get vaccinated. So I got a note from somebody saying, when? You, when? Okay, so for me, June for the first dose, July for the second, probably. Um, that is unless they create a new category for pains in the neck. But um, anyway, yeah, and I mean, everyone can look at it. Registration starts in February. Right. And, you know, the schedule is, of course, predicated on availability of supplies. And if... Other vaccines get approved, and they are being delivered, then the schedule will be advanced. Right now, even though the premier said everybody would be vaccinated or suggested everybody would be vaccinated by the end of September, it's actually the end of October. Uh, At the end of September, 1.7 million British Columbians will still be waiting for the second dose. It's interesting, though, isn't it, that there are some groups that were clearly right away not happy with what they heard on Friday. Yeah, I mean, they were encouraged to think that because that was the original idea that, you know, they would get they would have special categories. They would be further up in the line. And, um, you know, again, I think they explained it well. I also think that the what I heard was that the organizational challenge of having all these different categories and all these different groups jockeying for, well, how come I'm not, you know, ahead of that? Exactly. Group, right? I think they decided this was better to simplify it. It will be challenging enough to manage this thing anyway. Simi, we're talking about vaccinating 4.3 million people in 172 locations around British Columbia uh, by the end of October. I think it'll be challenging enough to do that. One note I got, I think you probably heard it as well, is there is this group which is chronically high risk. And these are people clinically extremely vulnerable. So these cancer patients, uh, not just pre-existing conditions, but um, like asthma, but severe asthma. And people on these miracle drugs, which suppress the immune system to help you manage stuff like uh, conditions like rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, What about them? And they do have a special category and they haven't completely worked out what happens with them yet. But Dr. Henry was quite good on that. She said, you have to realize these people have two risks. There is a risk of them getting COVID-19 and being very vulnerable if they get it. But there's also a risk associated with the vaccine for them because if your immune system is suppressed, the vaccine 
might give you COVID-19. So she said, those people, it will have to be worked out between their doctor and them, and the risk will vary with everyone. So again, I think Mm -hmm. the reason for not getting an answer on that on Friday is that that's a tough call for an awful lot of people, and they're still working on the balancing act. All right, Vaughn, thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye, Simi.